Hi, this is Michael Waits and welcome back to India Game Changer. Today we are joined by Varun Goenka, a co-founder and the CEO at Charge Up. I don't think that's the last time we're going to hear that little phrase. Varun, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing today? Good, good, Michael. I'm charged up. How are you? I am super duper. Did you think about this, by the way, before you named the company? Do you know what I mean? Because I always say this all the time. I'm like, I'm super. I'm doing really well. Something like that. But you get to say I'm charged up, yeah. which is like has multiple if meanings. You also get to say uh, stay charged up instead of thanking you and anything. So, yeah, I didn't came up with the name of the company thinking on this. Did you? But... Yeah, um, more that, yeah, it should become like a verb for the customer. That's how we named the company. I want to get back to this, right? Can we get some of your background too? But I want to get back to this branding thing because I think it's super important and I don't think a lot of people think about this enough. So just a little bit of your background, just for some context. How did we get to here? I come from the more northeastern part of India from a very traditional uh, family business background. And uh, I came to Delhi, uh, North India, to start something on my own and uh, had my own series of failures and learnings before I landed up into climate tech space. And uh, I've been trading into green certificates and doing a lot of solar projects in the previous startup where I was. And from there, yep, I landed up into charge up and form charge up from there. You know, you said you came from a traditional sort of business oriented family. I'm presuming that that means that your family had their own business. I just yeah. love this idea. You didn't mention any jobs you had. All you did was mention this idea that you've built a few different things, which yeah. I love, by the way. Was there ever a chance you were going to get a job or was this idea of I'm always going to have my own thing always there? So, you know, um, uh, childhood holidays has been seeing business yep. and how to build things. So job was never a question, uh, actually never came to my mind. Uh, frankly, you know, there were a lot of uh, conceived notions that we know things versus when we came to the uh, Delhi and started uh, on my own. Uh, I had those things clear that I don't know a lot of things and I need to learn and unlearn a lot of things. Yeah, I think at some level, the unlearning is almost as important as the learning. Um, I, I was joking with somebody else about this a couple of days ago. I think it was Mark Twain. At least it's attributed to him who said, like, don't let your education get in the way of your learning. Anyway. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I don't get a lot of arguments about this. I get fewer and fewer arguments about this as we go along. I want to get back to this branding and marketing thing. right? One of the things that I've talked about a lot as I go through the tech world is this idea of Intel inside, right? creating a brand where you can talk about that brand in relation to other brands and other brands have to talk about it. But you know, in the same way you used to say, not so much anymore, like, did you Google that or that kind of thing? Or can I have some Kleenex, even though that's a brand name, not an actual facial tissue? If you can build this into your brand, like Uber did really successfully, right? Like, I'm just going to, I'll take an Uber. Even if it's a Lyft, it doesn't matter because you know what it means, right? Yeah. But yeah. to think about this at that level, right? Because it's going to happen. People are going to have to charge their cars. The, the, the vehicle market's moving electric. And I want to get back to that in a second too. But the idea that you thought about this is super cool. Do you have a marketing background too? Or is this just something that your brain is always creating? You know what I mean? Michael, I think uh, every individual from his childhood, he's into sales and marketing. He starts with negotiating with his parents uh, for stepping out with friends. And uh, I coming from those traditional families, joint family. So we had to do a lot of negotiations. Did so you really? Marketing. <laughs> and, and, and a founder, I believe uh, that's one of the most critical thing uh, he needs to have because 
from selling his first product to getting his team on board to get the investors he has to be a storyteller but that's the thing right so i'm so glad you use that word storytelling because it has such a deep meaning obviously for me because i want to build this platform right so that people like you can tell their stories but do you have a philosophy around you know you said even when you were a kid right you're always negotiating there's probably a big family around and everybody is probably competing a little bit I know what it feels like, right? But but having established that, do you feel like now you have to think about all of that in like a different way? I don't think so. It's more thinking in a different way. It's first forming the right base and the roots around is very important, you know, because things are definitely changing very fast. You have to be adaptive, flexible, but at least the basics law of nature doesn't change with that. Not really. Do you get this sense, and I don't ask this often, right? but do you get the sense that a lot of the stuff you did learn as a kid, you can apply to yourself as an adult and an entrepreneur? Do you know what I mean? All those little things you did that built up over time? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, so I've been a huge uh, follower of, I'm a Krishna Bhakt, so, and uh, I've been seeing all those Ramayana, Mahabharata, all those mythological Indian stories. Yep. So my life is full of a lot of stories around. And uh, I'm a regular reader of Bhagavad Gita. So I read every day. What does that mean? So that's the, you know, uh, world's biggest spiritual book of Hindus. Got it. Just want um, to, that's what I thought. I just want to make sure. It's cited by the, the Lord Krishna himself. You know, all, all the theories of business, life, marketing, everything is there. So that's what helps me to stay grounded. So you read through the spiritual text for not just for motivation, but for knowledge and also for information. Oh, absolutely. As I said, you know, and we don't tell these things as mythology. We tell these as history. Yeah. Because these are true. But that's the way so, that works, right? So as I said, since laws of nature doesn't change, and that's what these books are the laws of nature. That's not going to change. Right. And can we get back to this idea? Because this all started with a little bit of storytelling, right? My philosophy, as you know, is that every company should be their own media company, right? And that there should be this constant, because there is a, there is a constant reverse flow of stories, either A, not about your business and not about you, or negative stories about you. And unless you're combating that with a constant storytelling on your own and building up this gravitas around who you are and what you're building, then yeah. that story is going to get told for you. Right. And this was yep. kind of the thing I wanted to touch on with you before we talk specifically about charge up, because I think it's also super interesting. But that idea of storytelling, how do you incorporate that into the company culture as well? Because you're right. You have to consider this when you're doing sales and every other part of the business as well. Yeah. Frankly, when we started charge up, there was no such grand vision or plans. We saw a certain problem and uh, that out of curiosity, we went deeper into it and we saw there's a large opportunity and we started charge up. But over a course of time, what we saw that uh, what we were solving and we started hearing a lot of stories. So every third or fourth day, I used to be on field with these drivers. Right. And, um, you know, how charge up was impacting their life, how they started their earnings increased 100% month on month. What was the issue they were having? Was it a just a pure distance and time thing? It may be likely that their bikes weren't even electric to begin with. Right. Can you just tell me about like what that problem was you were trying to solve? and how ChargeUp solved it through battery, battery swapping, charging, all the stuff that you guys do. Well, uh, in any electric vehicle industry yep. uh, across the world, it's always into a chicken and egg situation. Sure. Vehicle first or infra first. Yeah. In India, at that point of time, we already had 2 million EVs on road. These were those, you must have seen those uh, Asian countries, Thailand and all the tuk-tuks, yep. yeah, similar to that. And they're always struggling with a bad quality battery, which they have to purchase. And every six months, reinvest into the batteries, charge it for 10 hours. So demand was not an issue for them, but they couldn't run more and hence couldn't earn more. 
and that's when charge up came with an advanced solution just pay as you go can you just dig into this a little bit more deeply for me particularly on the infrastructure side right because you're right you guys were lucky there were already worked two million vehicles on the road but getting the charging station and the battery swapping just the whole infrastructure to handle that doesn't exist right this is what this is where it's really interesting for me right because you can say okay how do we solve the problem we just have a battery that's chargeable it's swappable it's like a SaaS model that's okay that's done but now how do we handle that? Like, because that in and of itself is a big logistical issue, right? How do you handle that? Actually, we first started with a single station where we initially just solved for them the charging hours and the capital expenditure problem. But still, we couldn't solve the, the range problem yeah. that can travel anywhere. And that's where we said, okay, let's put up a station at every pin code of the city that the driver doesn't even need to detour or take a U-turn for a swap. Now, you know, we always started backward. How, how do you get that data though? Right, because you're not, you're not, you don't own Google Maps. Like, is that, is that data sellable so that you know where all those individual points are and then you can just build off of that? Sorry, go ahead. Frankly, that point of time, at least we were not that tech savvy. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. And we had to find the real issue. We need, see, I think in any business, the most important thing is how well do you know your customer? Do you know him more than him? Right. That's more important. Yeah. Okay. So um, for the drivers, we first understood what are their routes and where they've traveled. We traveled a lot. I must have surveyed more than 500 drivers. I love it. And there we plotted that, okay, this is how we need to build the infrastructure, but it has to be asset light. So we made a lot of partnerships with small businesses and worked on a revenue sharing model with them. So in a way, we unlocked a huge real estate without any fixed cost. And for a driver, now he could take longer trips and run more. But how long did it take for you to put up a charging station, right? Let's say you just, you partner with a convenience store that, you know, isn't yep. selling gasoline, but it's basically selling everything else, right? So then you put a charging station there. How long does it take to put that up? Two days. Two days. In India, uh, we are well trained to customize things and make it as per Indian environment. I, we designed a small Coca-Cola refrigerator size swapping cabinet with chargers, which can be plugged in at any plug point in any of these SMEs or these businesses. So, you know, it was very easy plug and play system for them. But does that mean do you, you don't manufacture these things yourself, right? So you've got a manufacturer on the back end that has to do this for you. But that means that as your demand increases, their, their capacity to build these things have to increase. And I would say this too, do you feel like that's kind of version 1.0 or version 0.75 and that as the uptake becomes more normalized, that you'll build more sophisticated charging stations along the way to handle <coughs> not just the three-wheeled vehicles, but four-wheeled vehicles as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have been upgrading it and, you know, uh, now we are in the same swapping stations. We are accommodating two-wheelers and three-wheelers both. You are. What is the manufacturing base in India like for, for electric cars? I ask just from my own personal information, because I can tell you who's doing it in the U.S. And then all the big European manufacturers, right, BMW, Mercedes and stuff, they're all doing it too. And I know a couple of the Chinese manufacturers, but who are the Indian manufacturers that are doing this at scale? So in India, it's more, uh, the major one is Tata. Tata, for sure. Yeah, and uh, second is Mahindra. Uh, okay. These two are the major ones. I feel like every country has like this big oligopolistic uh, group yeah. of companies. It just like build into everything. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we can we can get to that uh, during a different podcast. Can I ask you this? 
Let's yeah. say you can get a charging station in every place you want. But even as you're building that out, right? The, one of the guys who used to work at Goldman with me built a company in the United States called, I think it's Volta. Anyway, very well funded, doing a similar thing, partnering with convenience stores and stuff like that and building sort of sophisticated charging stations just like you do. But once you do that, right, you said you interviewed 500 drivers. But once right. you do that and you build it out, even if you have 100 in every state in India, you'll have way more, but let's just say 100, right? Because the math is easy. Yep. Now you have 100 stations that are gathering data as well, mm -hmm. right? Because I have to presume that there's a membership or something, right? In other words, I can't just rock up to a charge-up station and use it. I probably have to have an app that connects to it that, that says, here's the battery, here's the serial number with a QR code or however it works. I give that back, it scans it, makes sure that it, I am who I said I was, right? And that I was using the battery for the thing that I said I was going to use, where I take out a new one and I leave. But now you know where I'm going, how often I exchange my battery, how often the battery gets used, what the power drop, like all, I could go on and on just about that. You're not just building, if, if your vision is correct here, I think, you're not just building a bunch of charging stations, you're building this massive sort of customer acquisition platform. Am I wrong? Bang on. That's what we use in our whole, thing. we'll own the customer. But it's more than that, right? We were joking a little bit earlier about Mahindra and Tata and, you know, every country has these sort of oligopolistic, yep. a word that I cannot pronounce, but I know what it means. Companies, right, that kind of do everything. But every now and then, you know, a Microsoft just shows up out of nowhere and says, you know, we're just these scrappy little guys that are building this thing. And then they build something gigantic. Right. Do you feel like that's a possibility here for you? Do you know what I mean? Because if you can get everybody who has an EV See, um, or part of them to do this, sorry, go ahead. I'm just curious, like, do you think this could be gigantic? This is definitely going to be way bigger than anyone can else currently imagine. Yes. Uh, but you know, what differentiates is, uh, especially if I talk about this industry, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the way larger gigantic companies, they operate, their speed of operation and decision making gets slower as they grow big. Absolutely. Versus a company like us, a startup, the faster that the culture of startup stays, even when you grow that big. So how fast we do this? And, you know, as a startup, we don't look to do too many things. We say, we'll do two or three things, which matter the most for my customer, but sure. we'll do best than anyone else in the world. Sure. I mean, this is typical Jack Welch, Six Sigma type stuff, right? <laughs> um, I don't read that, but yeah. But you know what it is, otherwise you wouldn't be laughing. But the point is that you can't, you can't build it out without this idea of, okay, we're going to have all this data so we know all these things. And we know also that everybody that's going to buy a vehicle or that has a vehicle is going to need insurance. We can provide them with parametric insurance directly right through our system because they're already signed up with us. We can give them to that as a dislike, all yeah. these things you can do. I mean, Paytm has, what, 400 million people on the platform, but more than 400 people on a vehicle. Like, all these things that you can do, that's why I asked, you know, you're not a product company anymore, you're a platform company, and I'm, you know, I can tell you what I think is possible, but I'm curious what you think is possible. That's why I'm asking. If you talk to anyone in our company, you know, um, they'll be very clear on two things. One, we are a fintech platform. Yep. What we create as a new category, we say, the finance, network, and tech as a platform. Go ahead. We are here to make the driver's life simple and productive. And we have again devised a new terminology here, which we call as a D2E, driver to experience. So we are not a swapping company. We are not a product company. Right. Yeah. What does that mean, driver to experience? When you know D2C, it's, uh, so we driver to experience. 
So we have made few non-negotiables in our company for the driver. Okay, what is that? What are those? Number one, higher earnings for him. Right. Number two, hundred percent uptime. Number three is accessibility. When I say accessibility, yeah. no detouring, no waiting. Right. For him, no waiting either. Interesting. Very critical for us. We measure that. Both a safe and reliable ride. Very critical. Into we have seen a lot of companies going down because the driver loses the trust. You know, a safe and reliable ride for him. So, but are you suggesting so, that you own the vehicles that they're driving as well? So you buy a vehicle, no, lease no. it to a driver for them to make money. Like, how do you control that part of their life? Or is that through the fintech so, platform and the tech platform that you're building? Go ahead. Yeah, but it's not fintech, it's fintech. Fintech, excuse me. Tell, you can tell me, you can define that for me in a second, but go uh, ahead. So, um, see, there are two categories of customers yep. we deal with. One is who already have an EV, existing EV, yep. but his batteries have come to end of life. Yeah. So they shift on our platform and they start using the batteries which we provide them as a service under different subscription plans. Yep. And then there are people who want to adopt a new EV. They do it through our platform where they get a better proposition in terms of the cost of financing, their cost of ownership. So from there, from the vehicle to battery, the entire management is done through us. Let me share some very interesting uh, experience. You must have seen those Amazon Great India sale, the Flipkart Big Billion Day sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two months back, we did a charge-up EV Mela, the carnival, EV carnival. Okay. We did it uh, in a physical place in Delhi. Two days, a thousand drivers visited us. As they entered the carnival, first, they were the top vehicle manufacturers are standing with their uh, vehicle. So they took a demo of the vehicle. They went to our financing partner with the biometric within one minute, they got the financing cleared. They came to charge up counter, got the registration done, did the down payment, got the vehicle delivered there itself. And the next they had the Uber, Zomato, Swiggy's lining up to onboard them and they could choose. We made these drivers the king who is going to decide and we brought whole ecosystem at one place. Now I understand. Yeah, now I understand. This is a, it's a really big deal and also a really, really different take on how the drivers are getting treated, right? Yeah. Yeah. I always like to say, like, I don't, I don't think you can separate the thing that you do really well from who you are. And, and I'm really curious because what you're doing is really, is really cool. I'm curious about the tech stack, but in a way, I'm also more curious about why helping the drivers is such an important facet for you. Yeah. You know, when I started this company... And we, after that, the COVID stuck in 2020. Yeah. And uh, during COVID, we could have seen that it was only because of these drivers, we were able to pass through that. Yeah. And you know, uh, our lives are better when their lives are better. Yeah. So we deeply connect, we deeply understand, and that's what our whole mission is, is powering these drivers. Yeah. I like it. I mean, it, there's a part of me that just wants to end there because that's where the real power is. Unless there's more storytelling that you want to do, that sounds like the perfect way to end. Is that cool? absolutely yep. thank you so much for doing this today that was really really interesting and very thought provoking for me you could see me as we were going along like trying to figure out what the platform was going to look like and I think I can tell by the way you were smiling at least I got some of it anyway thank you very much for doing this today Varun Goenka I really appreciate it thanks a lot nice connecting with you